This morning we're going to be in Mark chapter 10 at some point uh, this morning, but uh, we're not going to get there right away. So just if you want to turn there, you can. But uh, everything is on your sermon outline in your bulletin, which is um, on this yellow sheet here. So please, uh, if you would like to follow along, you may do so on that, uh, on that sheet. We're actually going to read Mark chapter 10, then we're going to talk about something else, then we're going to come back to Mark chapter 10. It's a glorious thing to be desperate after God always. I am oftentimes ashamed of the lack of desperation after my God in my own life. Indeed, greater by far than the cry, God help me, is the plea, God, I want you. There's a difference. I ask each and every person that reads Mark chapter 10 of the account of the blind Bartimaeus as, a, as it's related in Mark chapter 10 verses 46 through 52 to see the difference. There's a difference between saying, God, I need you and God, I want you difference God help me I want you and so in Mark chapter 10 it says these words it's on the top of your sermon outline I don't believe it's in the I know it's not in the in, on the screen this morning so here's what it says then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd where leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I want you to be clear on what we do not hear in this Scripture passage before we go on to some other things. Here's what we do not read. That he approached the Savior with a dignified and stilted demeanor about himself. Bartimaeus is in great need. And that's, that's key. I want you to understand something. He did not go to God and say, God, I got this, but I need you. God, I, I'm under control, but I need you. He was in need. And he showed his need. He's desperate at this time. He has a problem and he knows the only one that can answer the problem is the Savior. A man who is truly desperate is not concerned about what others might think about him. He needs rescue and knows it. Here comes the first point we learn about begging before God. And it's on your sermon outline. Number one, God desires true desperation. He really does. And in Psalm 969, verse 17, it says, Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. 
The single-mindedness after God. The laying aside of all hindrances to reach to Him. The unconcern for all obstacles that stand between the one in need and the one there to rescue Him. The the contrition of the Spirit. The humility of the mind. The openness before Him. All of this that comes to one in desperate need of rescue is a glorious thing. Notice the desperation in the verse that's on the screen. He doesn't say, Lord, I just wish You would answer me occasionally. You know, if you have time. Shell and I, while we were in Ocean City, Maryland, I know you were feeling bad for us. It was actually cold at Ocean City, Maryland. But um, we were in Ocean City, Maryland last week. We attended a concert by Big Daddy Weave, who you're going to hear from at the end of this concert, at the end of this uh, this sermon. And uh, he's not a rap artist, so don't worry, you're not going to hear rap. But it does sound like a rap name, Big Daddy Weave. But one of the things that he said during that that concert that just kind of hit me was, "We're too nice in our prayers." If you want your church to grow, ask for it. If you want God to intervene in a hard way, ask for it. Don't beat around the bush. And so in Psalm 69, 17, what I see is a psalmist who says, listen, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Here's the Bible. Here's the problem, man. Answer me, God. I'm tired of waiting. Look, don't turn your face from me now. You better come through. Come on, let's do this thing. I know you can. And we've been taught by good Christian Sunday school teachers that's not the way to talk to God. Unfortunately, the Holy Spirit, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the psalmist tells us something completely different. You want it? Ask for it. Now that does not mean, as some are in the process of preaching, it's name and acclaim it. Blab it and grab it. It's not that. But sometimes we do not have, as the book of James says, because we do not ask. We beat around the bush with them. Oh God, if you could. You know, it's like talking to your dad about something. I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager, I would much rather go to my mom and ask her for something. I could get straight to the point with my mom. Mom, this is what I want, and this is how I want it. Boom, 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 boom. My dad, I'm sitting there chewing my fingernails. Uh, could I go? Because uh... I was scared. And what God says is, don't be scared. Tell me what you want. That leads us to the second point this morning. And here's the second point. Begging for deliverance and salvation is what God desires of us. Listen to this scripture passage in Isaiah 66 too. Has not my hand made all these things and so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I took on with favor. I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Get that? 
God himself comes down to Isaiah in, in, in the book of Isaiah and he says, listen, here's who, I, who, here's who my ears perk up to. Here's who my heart pounds for. So, you know, if I'm a Christian in 2016, almost 17, I'm, I'm starting to listen now. Who is it that he listens to? Who is it that he gives a, a, an ear to? Well, he answers it for us. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. What it means is who have a healthy fear. Look, some of us grew up with dads. I did not, but some of us grew up with fathers that we, we, we were afraid of. I mean, they, were gonna, they would pound us if we said the wrong thing. That's not exactly what Isaiah is talking about. It's taking his word serious. It's understanding that when it says Holy Bible, it means Holy Bible. It doesn't mean a bookend. It doesn't mean only read it when you're going through life's desperate situations. It means it's powerful, life-changing words that are for today as much as they are for when you're going through the storm. What a wonderful thing it is to be a beggar before God. The flesh doesn't like the idea. It winces at the thought. It's true, we are children of God and heirs to the throne, heirs to the throne and the elect, and we are saints and we are Christians and all those things that we, that we so love to hear preached. But beggars? But how wonderful to stand before God and confess without hypocrisy our great need. We are a needy people. The first beatitude spoken by our Lord in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 is the following. It's on the screen. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So we quite frankly go straight to the fact of what does poor in spirit mean? Well, it's up there soon. It means absolutely having nothing before our God. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first read Poor in Spirit, I thought it meant, you know, you walk around like that good old character Eeyore. You know the one. <laughs> oh, woe is me. I'm poor in spirit. And what God says is, actually, no. What it means is, is that you wouldn't be breathing this morning if I wasn't controlling the earth. What it means is, teachers, you wouldn't be teaching this morning if I wasn't controlling the earth. What it means is, I wouldn't even be able to get up and walk without you holding my hand. That's what poor in spirit means. See, I think this Thanksgiving, I'm very thankful for that. He's reminded me that I have to come to him as a beggar because I have nothing. I can't offer him money. I can't offer him my, my, my great gifts because I don't have them to give. But I can come to him and say, here I am. 
What our Lord is saying in verse 3 of chapter 5 of Matthew is happy is the man who is absolutely destitute spiritually. Is nothing but a beggar who has to plead for mercy and grace because it's that kind of man who gets the kingdom of heaven. John MacArthur says it this way, if you are a child of God, this sense of spiritual bankruptcy will always be with you. I want to be clear on this. This does not mean that you're going to walk around and, and be in a downtrodden mood. This is not what John MacArthur is getting at. What John MacArthur, another pastor, pastors a, a bigger church in California or somewhere out in that way, um, he, he is saying here is, is that you will always recognize that you didn't do it. You see the paycheck at the end of the week? You didn't do it. Oh, oh yes, you worked hard for it. But you see, there was this God who gave you the gifts to go and get the check and provided the money. And so, when we say before the offering, you're only giving back what He's already given you, it's truth. Because the reality is, is that I got nothing. If He doesn't provide for me words to speak, I got nothing. And so John MacArthur is right on. And please never be ashamed to be a beggar before your God. Never be afraid to admit your need before Him. Never hesitate to call upon Him like Psalm 145.18 says, The Lord is near to all who call Him. To all who call on Him in truth. Now those last two words are key to us this morning. We're going to get to Mark chapter 10. We have to set the stage. But notice the last two words. Now what does it mean to come to God, to call on God in truth? It means to accept the fact that He is not doing anything to knock you down a couple of steps. Listen, we all love to quote Jeremiah and others who say, He's going to give me plans that are going to prosper me and do great things for me. But then we walk out of church and we get knocked down by something and we say it must be God doing that. No, it's not. It's it's His enemy. He wants you to believe that you're less qualified than you really are. God is only going to do things that are going to pick you up. That are going to encourage you along the way. And so when the psalmist says call on Him and call on Him in truth, Understand who God is and who Satan is. Understand what God will do and what Satan will do. And don't attribute to what Satan is doing what God is doing. In other words, if you feel like you're getting cut off at your knees, most likely that's Satan working in your heart. He's encouraging you to give up. And the worst thing you can do is not call upon God because you say, well, God, I feel like you're cutting me off at the knees. God wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. He will encourage us. And so here's some points that we learned from the Mark chapter 10 story. The first point is this. Desperation breeds great boldness. Desperation breeds great 
boldness. And the underlined words are blanks in your, in your um, sermon outline. Here's what it says in Mark chapter 10, verse 48. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. You want to know whether you're desperate or you just could kind of take God on whenever he comes or you're not very desperate for him? Here's how you know. When the world tells you to, I shouldn't say these words, shut up. You do. That means you're not desperate. Look in the story. The disciples come by with Jesus. All the crowd is moving. And they're, they're hearing this guy yell. And it wasn't, it wasn't new and fresh. And, and everybody did this. Every beggar did this. So, so they kind of walk by. And what does the world say? Hush! Yes, Jesus is here. Hush! Would you stop yelling? You're going to attract a crowd. Like there wasn't already a crowd. And what does he do? He shouted louder. You want to know why sometimes you wonder if you're passionate or you're desperate for God? Because when the world tells you to be quiet, you do. And I'm there. Hey, if I'm at a coffee shop or something and I'm sharing the gospel with someone and the table next door to me or next next uh, table over to me looks at me and says, hey, listen, you know, I didn't come here to be preached at. I came here to drink my coffee. You know what? Most likely I'm going to do. Boom, throw the key away. But here's what it challenged me this week in my office. What Mark chapter 10 is saying. Is that shows a lack of desperation. What it shows is contentment in the fact that the world wins. How this dear man Bartimaeus in our text demonstrates all this. He yells louder. Their warning to him stimulated him to get greater intensity towards seeking the Savior. This man intends to have the Lord Jesus. He intends to be blessed. He will take no for an answer. He will not take no for an answer. And second, I want you to notice what Jesus does. And I want you to take notice in big ways. I think this is a completely awesome response. And here's what Jesus does. Jesus stands still. Now you say, well, that's no big deal. He stood still. Here's what it says in the Scripture. Jesus stopped and said, call him. Bartimaeus had sought the Lord with all of his heart. He had been desperate after the son of David. God sent his, seen, has seen his desperation, his genuine desire and eagerness after Jesus. And Jesus stands still and gives his undivided attention to Bartimaeus. And He calls Him to Himself. When the Father gives a man to Jesus Christ, the Savior stands still. He receives that one as a precious gift from the Father. The church needs to be desperate. 
Let me tell you something, friends. When you are desperate before Jesus Christ, this is why it's so powerful to me. Because when I'm desperate and I have no other answers, Jesus doesn't do what some of my friends will do. No, He stops. And He gives me full attention. And He says, tell me about it. Tell me what you want me to hear. And He doesn't just stop. Notice what he does for Bartimaeus. And some people think it's the rudest thing. I've read some commentaries on it. But I think it's the greatest thing. He stands still and he says, tell him to come here. Why? Why does he have to go there, Jesus? You could just tell him he's healed and he could get up and he could walk away. Why are you making this man get up on his feet and come to you? Because he's showing to Bartimaeus, are you desperate or are you just playing games here? Come. Walk. Show me how serious you are. Walk. I'm standing still. I'm not moving. You got my attention. And so I want you to understand, Faith Church, that's why this is such an awesome response. Because our Savior says, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to walk on. I'm not going to tell you to talk to the hand because the face doesn't want to see you. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stand still and I'm going to look at you and I'm going to say, Faith Church member, you want to say that you're not desperate enough? You want to come to me? Then get up and walk. Show me how desperate you are. Look me eye to eye and tell me what you want. You think Jesus has to ask the question? I mean, I I, I find it ridiculous that Jesus stands there and says, now what do you want from me? Come on, Jesus, you know everything. You know what he wants. He wants to be healed. But he asks for Bartimaeus' sake. He asks for our sake in 2016. He wants to show us that true desperation will answer the question no matter how ridiculous it is. True desperation will get off the ground and get out of the beggar position and look at Jesus eye to eye. And true desperation gets Jesus to stand still and watch and listen. I said earlier, the church needs desperate people how the contemporary Christian church in America stands in need of desperation, I'm convinced that the great need of the 21st century church in our nation is to see her great need. Look, I'm going to be blatantly obvious because we're going to say it at the congregational meeting. I think sometimes we as the American church puff our chest out. Say, God, I don't need your blessing on that ministry or this ministry or that ministry. I got it. I'm smart enough. You want to see God respond? God will respond when the church sees her great need for Him. When the church says, I'm done. I can't do it on my own. In Revelation 3.17, he talks to the church in Laodicea. And he says these words, You say I'm rich, I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. 
But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. That's a pretty harsh statement. But you know what it said to me in 2016? And I'm not saying this is faith church, but I'm saying that this could be if we don't watch ourselves. You can make budget every week of the year. And you can still be wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You don't like it? Laodicea didn't like it to hear it either. You can have all the riches in the world. You can have the biggest savings account. And you can be doing jack squat for Jesus. It's powerful. So one thing God did to me this past week was He took me from being dependent on no one to being completely dependent on Him. I got to tell you, sitting in that Big Daddy Weave concert this past week, I went in there as a very confident man. And I came out as a beggar. I was in a crowd of 3,000 people. And I felt like Big Daddy Wee was looking right into my heart. Saying, are you begging for him? Are you begging for him? You want to see praise and thanksgiving and wonderful things happen in the church today? Well, I personally believe what the church needs is to see her need for Him. You may be saying this morning, you, Pastor, you say I don't know how to praise. You see, I don't know how to praise Him and, and I'm not really sure I can currently. I want you to listen to something. At the end of this video, if you can still say, I don't know what I can praise Him for. I really think you got to check your heart. Take a listen. Seems like all I could see was the struggle. Haunted by ghosts that lived in my past.
Dear gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that we are not the same as we once were. I thank you, Lord, that you have taken away the chains and uh, the frustrations of that old man. And you have given us a chance to be redeemed and give you praise and honor and glory for the fact that we are different than the day that we started our journey with you. And I ask You, Lord, to minister to each of us here this morning. That if this Thanksgiving we are struggling to come up with reasons why to praise You, that we may come as a beggar, reminded that because a beggar has come to You, he now has all the reason in the world to give praise and thanksgiving. And so, Lord, we each do too. Because one day we stood apart from You and this day we stand with You. And so help us to have an attitude of praise and thanksgiving. To cry out to You in times of need. And to do so unhithered. Untouched by what the world may say. And that Lord, as the world yells, be quiet, stop talking, we may get more passionate about sharing Jesus. For Lord, it's in Your name we pray this all. Amen.